Off top, in the late 1700s, the French introduced the guillotine as a form of capital punishment because the way they did it before was too unhumane. Inhumane? Inhumane. That's what I thought. Anyway, play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What up, Charlie? So, you know when the last time they used the guillotine was? Uh, 1977. I was against like 1907. I knew you were going to be wrong. So uh, I'm too I'm too humane. <laughs> the reason for the French um, uh, off top is because at some point in this show, we're going to do a deep dive into talking about everyone's favorite Frenchman, not Mbappe, not Macron, Wimby, Victor Wimbanyama. He uh, is going to San Antonio real soon. The big croissant. <laughs> that, that's the nickname we're working on right no, now? No, 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 I don't think so. I mean, uh, we already had the Stifle Tower, which was Gobert, right? But I mean, Victor's not a Stifle. Like, we need to work on it. Maybe yeah. we can cook up a nickname for him because there's not one out there right now. But before we get to that, you came in with a hot take or came in saying that you had a hot take. And I would like to give you the floor to deliver this hot take. Victor is great. We'll get to him. But we are in the midst of something that we love. A basketball series with legitimate stakes. And that is the Lakers Nuggets series. When you're listening to this, game two will be tonight. Right. But we're still sort of um, bathing in the glory of game one where we saw Jokic go absolutely bananas against the Lakers and Anthony Davis, LeBron James. He did everything. Yeah, he was incredible. Like, I mean, just the different ways that he can affect the team offensively is impressive. Like from shooting a, a runner to a three-point shot to a classic back down to the way that he passes out of double teams and even passes in single coverage. It's just amazing. Anyway, get to your hot-ass take. I'm, I'm going to get there. You're building up. I'm building to <laughs> okay, it. Okay, gotcha. You don't, don't, don't rush me. We're, <laughs> we're, bad, we're edging bad. towards it. Nice, um, nice and slow. <laughs> I'm going to see Usher. I told you this summer. Oh, nice and slow. Yeah, yeah. In, we're in, taking my wife out there. In Vegas, birthday. right? Yeah. 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 Nice and slow. Hmm. Got to let it burn. Seven o'clock on the dot. So, a couple big guys in this series. Obviously, Davis and Jokic. And this is really special because... It's not often that you get legitimate stakes with a player like Jokic who has two MVPs, maybe should have had a third, depending on how we think that narrative affected his play down the stretch of the season. Anthony Davis, who is the best defensive player in the NBA, playing at the peak of his power, someone who made NBL 75. Um, and it's rare. Like this is Ewing versus Olajuwon. This is Duncan versus Shaq the best offensive versus the best defensive player in the league going head to head. And the stakes for this for Jokic are, I think more significant than we realize. I think the national media last night saw for the first time, what we have been talking about for a while that this guy is fucking unstoppable <laughs> and like an all timer, like truly in that Dirk Durant level, like, Oh, you need anything. I'll give it to you. I'm that guy. And so started looking at the all time list where Jokic could fall. And obviously this could go sideways with how the series goes. But the stakes for Jokic are he has a chance to be one of the five best centers to ever play in the NBA. And I've broken down that list between the way that we look at these centers. The top two are untouchable. It's Kareem, who is essentially the perfect basketball player, had the scoring record before LeBron, five championships or six championships, six MVPs. Um, he's untouchable. Bill Russell, 11 championships, 13 years. They're on their own pedestal. The next, you have the most dominance ever. That is Shaq and Wilt. Mm -hmm. Shaq, 
I don't want to get underrated historically. You know, go watch the tape. Yeah. The best hands, best feet, biggest guy. Kill kill everyone. He was an incredible athlete. Will has the stats. Genuine loser. We'll get back to him in a second. Um, <laughs> Not a complete loser. He won a championship. Yeah, he won two championships. He's the best player on one team. He averaged 50 points per game in a season, 30 points for his career. Will, Will's stats are there. What a um, nerd. And then it's, at five and six, the most skilled centers to ever touch a basketball. And that's Akeem Olajuwon and Nikola Jokic. And you're thinking to yourself, how different could these guys be? One of them is maybe the best defensive player since Bill Russell. The other one is Jokic, who is uh, our doughy phenomenon who gives people like me hope. Okay, before you get to it, what is the take? The take is that he he could break into the top yeah, five. Yeah, he could be a top five center of all time. That makes him like a top 20 guy. Like, look at this. I don't want to be a hyperbolic take maker, but I feel like this take can be spicier. Okay. Like, well, he he's... can move. I mean, we can go through player by player and discuss if he can go above these players. Because I think with where his career is now and how he's playing now, his style of play, the way this team is constructed and the runway going forward, like, I think he could climb up. He may not just be yeah. five. If he can continue to do this yeah. for an extended period of time, which he's not explosive, so there's no reason why he can't keep doing this and they can keep winning. Like, there's an argument that, he could. How high do you think he could go? Because I don't want to be the one to okay. take your take. Okay. Well, if he gets a, a, a buff Akeem, he's a top 15 player ever. Okay. If he wins this title, he's already had a better career than Kevin Durant. Boom. There he has more MVPs. He's been a better player at his peak. Um, you might be right, but any, I hate it. Anytime you put Jokic on the floor, you have essentially the best <sighs> offense of all time. You know KD is one of my faves. I, this is why I did it that way. <laughs> You're such a <laughs> <laughs> Um, I got a hot take for you. Yep. We'll, we'll get back to your hot take. But we started out on an Usher tangent. Yep. This is my Usher take. I got plans to put my hands in places that I've never seen. Girl, you know what I mean. No one knows what you mean. I don't. It's a terrible line. What like where are these places that you've never seen? Unacceptable. Uh that's all. That's a good take. It's also, a great line. I mean, it's a great song. And I, I, there are plenty of songs like this where they're great songs, and then there's like individual lyrics or lines where I'm like, y'all couldn't let this thing cook for like 30 more minutes? Just sit in there and bake it up for 30 more minutes. Let it get all the way done. Because I think that that line is, and it's the way that line is placed. It's placed in a spot where it's supposed to be like, it's like elevated. They surround it with silence and they build up to it. So this is a line that everyone is supposed to say together. And then we all say this foolishness. Like, what are you, a surgeon, Usher? Like, are you gonna cut somebody open? Like, what places have you never seen? You're like 20 something when you make this song. I suspect that you've seen all the places where your hands can go. Anyway, back to you. We have no idea where Jokic's hands can go. He has the best <laughs> hands of any center he does of have all great time. Hands. Um, he has put his hands places that I've never seen. I was shocked when he put his hands <laughs> last night. Um, shocked and appalled and a little bit aroused by where right, he put go, his hands. <laughs> let's go down the list. So we're going to put him, if we're, I, I like your top five. So Hakeem. He wins. The, he's going to have to win a championship. Hakeem has two championships, two in years when Jordan stopped playing, which I guess devalues the championships a little bit. But I believe that they probably would have won those championships either way, because like I know we talked about this earlier yeah. in that the center was a position that gave the Bulls hell because they weren't really playing like Winnington, Cartwright. Like Cartwright's a great player before he like got to Chicago then he was yeah a, okay we're, talk, we're talking Luke Longley Horace yeah. Grant well Dennis I guess Rodman, yeah during the yeah. time when um Hakeem was winning it so like 
that would have been different. And that team, that uh, that uh, Rockets team was really good. They yeah. would have gave them hell. But anyway, I think two championships. For Jokic, I guess we need to talk about how much we are going to value the ring's culture. So let's fast forward. Jokic wins the championship this year and is finals MVP. Is that enough to put him above Hakeem? Honestly, probably not. But having the skulls of Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and whoever wins the East is enough that it's a better playoff run than someone like Hakeem, someone like Kevin Durant has ever had. Right. These these are um they're they're I guess they're skulls that he has collected, but man, these are not. Let's be let's be honest. LeBron is literally on his last leg, his yeah. last single leg. <laughs> yeah. But he also looked better in game one than he's looked the entire postseason and was hunting mismatches. Right, and- right, right, right. But he ain't. I mean, I don't know if you can credit this as, as getting the skull, but OK, fine. And the same with KD. Uh, no, 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 no. Like, like, let's think a couple of years ago. If Mahomes had beaten Tom Brady in that Super Bowl, we all would have collected that skull, That's even though that Tom Brady was on his 38th hair transplant by that but point. But Tom Brady was not, his play had diminished. You, you beat argue, LeBron, you beat LeBron. You could argue that Tom Brady was better. Not argue, he was better at that point uh, his career than he was when he was young. I guess you could say the the Moss years are different, but other than that, uh, yeah, that does count. This doesn't count. LeBron picking two games or three games a series to play hard uh, does not count as a full LeBron skull. We won't anyway. remember it that way. Okay, that's fair. All right, yeah. Um, all right, he has that. So he wins the championship. We'll put him over um, uh, Hakeem. Or, yeah, we'll put him over Hakeem. And- well, and so it's interesting. You look at the three-year peaks. Their stats are almost identical in raw numbers. Hakeem was 27, 12, uh, 3.8 assists. But he had the crazy 3.8 blocks per game, 1.6 steal, or 1.6 steals per game. And then Jokic is three-year prime. Statting me down. Yeah, 26, 12, and 9 assists. Doesn't have the defensive stats, but... You look at the Vorps, the block box plus minuses, the PERs, and he doesn't even just, this is where it gets interesting. Get out of here with your Vorp. No, 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 but this minus. is like, those counting stats are why we put Wilt so high. Yeah. And Jokic is actually going to pass Wilt in a ton of those counting stats. And that's why it's interesting. It's not just a Hakeem thing. It's like, if we're going to put Wilt Chamberlain on this pedestal and have him as a top 10 player of all time and a top five center of all time because of his statistical acumen and not his winning, like Jokic's peak, assuming it goes on for a couple more years, he's going to have a peak, not the raw scoring, not the 50 points a game, where his win shares, his box plus minus, his PR are all going to be better than Will Chamberlain. Something yeah. that we thought was literally impossible because of the era. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, let's, let's strengthen the take. He could be the fourth best center of all time. He's up from number five to number four. <sighs> You're such a tepid taker. Such a tepid you are <laughs> such a tepid taker. Stephen A would be so disappointed in you okay so i'm trying to argue i'm trying to help you build your take higher so he's past akeem and he's past wilt that's right who's next luau no not next would be shack i'll, I'll Shaq. let yeah, you yeah. say that uh, you let me say it so now this is where you this is where you're that's that's my line this is shack is your line yes so how many how many championships before you or what, what else does he need? Does he need more MVPs? Does he no, need more championships? Uh, the, or is it just because the he's never, never going to be as dominant as Shaq? The differentiator with Shaq is for a five-year period at the minimum, I felt, and I'm sure you felt the same way, that if you had Shaquille O'Neal on your basketball team, you should win the NBA championship. Jokic has not 
reach that uh, mythical feeling deep in my loins where it's like, <laughs> but you know, you're going to win with with him. But you know that's BS, though. It's like, not BS. No, it's BS that you that whatever the stuff that's around you matters, and the circumstances matter. And like, I think that LeBron James proved that he was the one player that you put him anywhere, you're a contender. But it doesn't mean you're going to win it. Right. So like, I, I remember seeing Shaq play and being like, oh, that's different. Yeah. He's dominant. They're going to have to change the rules to like, he's that type of player. There's right. like a couple players that are like uh, generationally defining and couple players who like change the trajectory of the sport. Uh, Shaq fits in that category to me. So yeah. I don't think that Jokic, and this is not fair. I think that Jokic could have a career and have numbers that are better than, than Shaq's, but Jokic is a evolution of the LeBron era of basketball yeah. to me, which is different than being LeBron himself or being, uh, I guess Steph has added another little twist because I still feel like we're kind of in a LeBron era where it's about big guys who can do everything. Yeah. And Jokic is the biggest guy who can do all the things offensively. Jokic is just like, part of it too, is he's just a one of one. There's not like, there's not recreating seven footers that have, the greatest hands we've ever seen that pass like bird magic and LeBron. Like th- this is, this is the whole Steph versus LeBron debate of how he's, how they're influencing, influencing the youths. It's like, yeah, any, you know, short guy who can't jump over a phone book can go out and take a thousand jump shots and think they're Steph Curry. They'll never be Steph Curry, right. but it's going to affect the way they play. Um, that's Jokic is like, he's an evolution of LeBron James and Larry Bird, yeah. and Magic Johnson and Bill Walton and Arvidas Sabonis. Like, but there's not going to be another one. Right. Like, we I saw agree. the discount. So I, I guess you're misunderstanding what I'm saying is like, I think that when we talk about the greatest of all time, there's a couple things that we have to be honest about that are weighing into the way that we have the conversation that I don't think we always include because it always devolves into like counting accomplishments, which I think one of the accomplishments or one of the impacts. Two and a half MVPs. <laughs> one of the factors that I think matters more than we are willing to acknowledge and we try to find ways to make this argument is like the cultural impact and the the like the way that the game has to bend to the way that you play. And I think that Jokic does not have that in the same way that I think that I think that Jokic, like I said, Jokic is an evolution on the LeBron tree, which is different than being LeBron on LeBron tree. Whereas Shaq was different and we didn't have anything that was before Shaq. The, I mean, I I guess you could argue an explosive big man, but it wasn't at that size. Like Ralph Sampson is like an athletic big man. Uh, Oh yeah. I mean, Shaq's a one of one. But yeah, like I thought I I misread your facial expression. I thought that you were like, Maybe there was something similar before. I mean, it's Wilt in theory, but no, Shaq's yeah. one. Yeah. So, and and that's what I think, and that's what I'm thinking about. And like, um, Bill Russell winning 11 championships and and innovating the jump when you play defense was like his major innovation, which sounds stupid today, but yeah, it's like, hey, why don't you jump and block these shots? I just think that like we are just at the precipice of the Jokic thing. Like, this is the first time where he's been on a title contender. This is the first time where he's really getting to play with a team that we're going to see his full potential. He's someone who I think is going to make people feel a lot of things watching him play basketball over the next couple of years. And that's sort of how I, th- I think I view it slightly differently where it's like part of what made Jordan so special and part of what made Curry so special and part of 
the drawback for people appreciating LeBron's greatness, the idiots who can't appreciate it, is that when you have the best player playing the most aesthetically pleasing style, yeah. it really makes people want to watch and invest in the game in a certain way. And Jokic plays in Denver. They're playing all these 1030 games. People aren't watching them. And people didn't take him seriously as someone who could guard a pick and roll or play in the postseason. Well, now he's having one of the best postseasons of all time. And you watch them play and it's completely different than any other team in the league because he's doing Iverson cuts. The ball's pinging around. His interior passing, the way I describe Jokic's interior passing with like these four or five pick and rolls, mm. it looks like a high school game when one high school has two like six, eight guys who are going to play division one basketball and they can make these passes just because they know there's no chance of them. <laughs> like he sees things that no yeah. one else is even seeing. Right. Um, I, yeah. Uh, there's no argument against Jokic's greatness. Uh, I do think that there is, and maybe it's East Coast bias, mm-hmm. but it's probably more perimeter player bias. But he's a perimeter player. That's the crazy part. Yeah, he, he plays on the perimeter, but I guess it's more just about the way things look. And yeah. while you find the Jokic passing aesthetically pleasing, he don't have highlights. Like, Jokic don't have highlights. And I wonder, because you're right, his playoff run this year has been incredible. Yeah. But we aren't treating it the way that it deserves to be treated. I guess we're starting to. We'll see how this goes. But you remember how we were talking about Devin Booker. Like Devin Booker was having incredible playoffs. It's because he was doing the stuff that we'd like to see. Yeah. Or that would that that you can put up a highlight that'll make the average fan stop and look. No one is stopping to look at Jokic's no jump jump shot. See, I think that and that's where I think the importance of the LeBron and Davis thing are are looming over the series is that like you have Jokic with that 40 footer at the buzzer that's just making Anthony Davis go like what the yeah, like he's yeah, literally the, right. he was literally the the veep gif where he's like smiling because he didn't know what to do um and the offense is i mean it's not warriors-esque it's not run by curry but it's warriors-esque in the sense that everyone touching the ball and thinking they can succeed right. runs completely counter to the style of play that we've come accustomed to in the lebron james era of like right yes they're the two best half court players in the nba making every decision they do it in vastly different ways who was before um Kareem, I who was the like offensive post presence? Well, but I guess I'm not talking about just that's the wrong word. Who was there someone as skilled as Kareem? Because I think of Kareem and Akeem as uh like coordinated offensive players at a different level and also like developing post moves. Yeah, am I wrong to think of it that way? Because I don't think I mean if you want to. There's literally the mic and drill, but that's not yeah. like, that's like, so it's just different. I mean, basketball's changed so much. Like to me, it's right. hard to do pre-Kareem. Right. I know, I know way. basketball has changed. And I think part of the argument that I stumbled into was about these like players who, def- who have a style that changes the course of the game. And I guess as I was going back through these players, I like, I understand what LeBron's meant to the game. Yeah. And I understand what Steph's meant to the game. I understand that like bird and magic, what they've meant to, to the game, like the way that the game right. changed around their style of play. And I was trying to assign something to Kareem. And I, I'm just thinking of people whose footwork and, and offensive post moves were became a like a development. It doesn't feel like, and maybe it's just, I don't have the, the knowledge, but it doesn't feel like a thing pre-Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar. To me, it feels like the Kareem Russell Wilt extension through uh till jordan felt just like if you have the most dominant big guy you win and that was the stylistic thing and it's like you know it's a constant hunt for like the rarest thing in sports someone above 
seven feet tall who can chew gum and walk <laughs> at the same time. Um, and that's so rare. And then you, you like you see Jokic, who's he's a seven foot guard. Yeah, he's a seven foot like two hundred and eighty pound guard, and he plays incredibly hard too. It's like he, the stark contrast between him and Davis and like the aggro Davis he brought out because it's like how hard Jokic plays and how hard he runs the floor. That's one of the things that's fascinating about this, about this series and the stakes of it all. Cause the, the counterpoint of this is if it goes sideways and Davis wins this series and he's the best player on the team with LeBron going against Jokic, like we're going to walk back all of the, a Disney street clothes jokes, all of the fact that people cringed at him making NBA 75. And it's going to be like, no, this is dumb. Like, yeah. This is one of the best things about the NBA playoffs. And one of the worst things about the NBA playoffs is it really determines the way that uh, a player is remembered and talked about. Yes, normally I agree. But this one, there's actual stakes because this is like, I doubt we'll get a series again in their careers where these guys will be this good playing against each other on teams that actually complement them. Like this is the rare thing where if something goes wrong, it's actually fair to be like, this series was won or lost by the best players because the role guys are good enough and, and pretty equivalent. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Well, they better hurry up and win these championships while they can because Big Vic, we we haven't come up with a nickname yet. We'll think of one. Yeah. Because Big Vic is on his way. So you said looking for seven-footers that can walk and chew gum at the same time was the hardest thing to find and everyone was looking for one. Well, Vic can chew gum. He can walk. He can shoot a three. He can handle the ball like a point guard. He passes like a point guard. He watches the the person that he em- emulates is Kevin Durant. That's the film that he watches because he wants to be like Kevin Durant. Yeah. Kevin Durant is seven foot, I guess, like right at seven foot. Yeah. Vic is seven four. And seven nine wingspan. Yeah, seven nine wingspan. He's uh I imagine everyone's seen some clips of him, but if you haven't and you haven't been paying much attention, you should know that he is being called the best prospect in the history of the NBA and quite possibly the best prospect in the history of team sports, which is a little bit absurd. But you understand why someone is looking in in a world where hyperbole is just like is kind of the oxygen that we that we breathe. Yeah. You want to find a way to say no. Yeah. No. This one is different and that's what we're trying to do. I feel like uh Victor Wembanyama is that scene in the social network where Justin Timberlake's character says, "You know it's cooler than a million dollars? A billion dollars?" And that's yeah. you know it's cooler than Kevin Durant. Stretch him 4 inches 
um, and have him be able to put back dunks on threes he missed. <laughs> That's the craziest highlight we've seen. So he's been a pro basketball player since he was 14. Yeah. His mom was a basketball player. Uh, and his dad was is a six eight uh, track athlete. I think he did triple jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you put those people together, there's a chance that you get a Victor Wimbanyama. So uh, I think some of the interesting things that I found in like reading about him and getting to know him was he is not he's he's thin, but he's not soft. Yeah, and yeah. he the the French league, from what I understand, the things that I've read. Uh, the French league is a very physical league. It's a yeah. more physical league than the NBA, and he holds his own in that league. So the big knock against him is he's slim. He's only 19. He'll fill out. He'll be less slim. If you remember what Giannis looked like when he was drafted, it was not what he looks like now. And that doesn't mean that's what Vic will turn into. But I don't have any concerns. He doesn't have an injury history. Yeah, broken fingers here and yeah, but he, yeah, he doesn't have like a lower body injury history, which is what we care about. I don't have any major concerns. Not that I'm some great scout, but there aren't any red flags. So congratulations, Spurs! You cheated your way to another uh, dynastic run. Uh, seeing the Victor Wembanyama highlights the first time when he came and played G League Ignite, like because we've seen clips of him right. playing against like teenagers. It was stunning, truly stunning to see someone who's that fluid of an athlete because you see 7-4 on the roster sheet and you think he is going to move like someone who's above seven feet tall. And it was much closer to Durant than anything else. And of course, his shooting has improved a lot and should continue to improve, but it, it might not. He might not come into the NBA as a 40% three-point shooter, but the there's it's a unique thing where his only chance of busting is if he gets hurt. And it's not obscene to think that he could be an all NBA player as a rookie, as a second year player. And those expectations, when people say, oh, he's a bigger prospect than LeBron, it's it's not that he's more hyped than LeBron and more in the American zeitgeist than LeBron. It's that coming to LeBron's draft, you had Darius Miles being like, we're pretty good at that position. We'll see if he can get on the floor. You had Michael Jordan saying that he was Michael Petty King, Michael Jordan being like, at best, he'll be a league average NBA player next year. And it turned out he was the only one who could come in after a senior high school and, you know, be what should have been all NBA player. But that's the expectation for women. Young. Yeah. And no one is no, there. Are, there's no one like criticizing. There's no one saying tamp this down a little bit. Every time you yeah. hear someone new and players in, included, every time you hear someone new speak about Victor, they talk about how great he is. No one has any questions about it. He also passes the old guy test where like you want to see you know Wilbon or Kornheiser or, or our dads be like Ralph Sampson did this back in my day when he was a 7-3 guard it's like they watch that and they're like no 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 <laughs> no, no, no 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 Ralph Sampson did not do this young Patrick Ewing did not do this this is freakish when I was reading about him I, I just couldn't help but think about Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. yeah it's like the team that they have around him and the focus that he has it just reminds me like and when you it seems like at least one of the stories that I read was that when he was nine years old, you could see that he had the dog in him. Is <laughs> that he was in, he was intense and frustrated when things went wrong in youth basketball games, which is like okay, yeah, I'm sure things went wrong when he's averaging forty and ten against. But he was he, he, he wasn't. He was playing against like fourteen oh, okay. year olds, so like he wasn't the best player, and he was treating it like. And I'm buying into all the hype. I believe it. Oh, yeah. He's physical. He got the dog. He has everything that you would want. 
he's big enough. He's athletic enough. He talks a little bit of trash, too. I remember uh, when people suggested this was around the G, G League Ignite game. People suggested that maybe he shouldn't go number one and he laughed at them. Yeah. I mean, even if he was dogless, he could dogless his way to 23 right, and seven next year. Plenty of dogless people in the um, Hall of Fame, but he wants to be the best of all time. I think the the draft lottery I've been thinking about this and you and I, you sent me an article that was great uh, in the Washington Post about how close uh, the Washington Wizards came to uh, getting Victor. So for our those, beloved Wizards. Yeah. For those who were in D.C. and we would love for that uh, walking stimulus package, uh, Victor Wimbanyama to come here. The article suggested that a player of his caliber would mean more than a billion dollars of yeah. of value to the franchise, which makes perfect sense. It seems a little low, honestly. <laughs> yeah, because but ooh, the article walked through the process and how the odds change with every lottery ball that's pulled out. So they do numbers. Each team gets a stack of numbers based on that's commiserate with their their percent chances of winning. And the Wizards, by the time they got to the last draw, the Wizards' chances went from 6% to 54%. Yep. And they still didn't get them. They ended up in the eighth spot. They had the highest chance of everyone. They had the most balls left. Yep. They had a 54% chance. I'm not sure what the next highest chances were, but it was nowhere near half. Yeah. And the Wizards ended up with the eighth pick in a draft that had like some good players, like the top three guys, Scoot, yeah. Victor, um, Brandon Miller, the, the Thompson twins. These are right. all people that or players that they think will have immediate impacts. And the Wizards landed at eight. I mean, most people watching this don't care about the Wizards, but I thought the story was pretty funny and it or not pretty funny, pretty sad. And it illuminates how valuable uh, a player like that is. The Washington professional basketball franchise has not won 50 games in either of our lifetime. Yeah. And that that's that was the stakes of this because uh Purgatory is back. For good. For good now. Like let's just enjoy our uh, fifty million dollars we play pay to Bradley Beal and go <laughs> win thirty four games every year best. Do you think a Victor can move shoes? That's always been like the yeah. thing that a big man can't do. Oh yeah, I do. Does Durant sell shoes like that? Yeah, people love KD okay. shoes. All right. Yeah. Well I guess there's some uh KD just got a lifetime contract from Nike. He's the sec like the second guy after LeBron to get it. I saw um I think it was Brian Windhorse talking about uh how intense Victor is and how serious he is about all this stuff and how great he he wants to be, which like is encouraging, but uh the idea that he's going to be in San Antonio, I know everyone's happy about the fix was there. You think so? I mean, not actually, but <laughs> it kind of feels so. Everyone talks about how this, uh, the Spurs have this connection with France because mm-hmm. of Tony Parker and the success that they've had with, I guess, Boris DL also, and how that's like the number, the same way the Rockets are like the most popular team in China sure. because of Yao Ming. The Spurs are that in France. The Spurs are also an organization that have shown the ability to nurture a star the fix may be in and i wouldn't be mad oh yeah the fix should be in it's the dumbest thing ever you know i hate the draft for a number of reasons but the idea in basketball we've talked about this before basketball is a star driven league in a way that other leagues are not the idea that you have a guy that could possibly drive revenue and drive league interest in 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 the regular season Next year and going forward, the idea that you would entrust that asset 
that is hugely valuable to the entire league, to any all organization, to me just seems stupid. I want to be very clear right now. You tanking is immoral, but fixing a draft lottery is not immoral. It's the right thing to do. No, again, I never said that it's the right thing to do or said that it's not immoral. I said that I understand why somebody would tank. And if I was in that position, maybe I would do the same thing, but I'm not in that position. So I'm going to call you out and let you know that what you're doing is BS. I like to think that I wouldn't do it because I have integrity. You'd be tanking your ass I'm not, off. No, no chance. No chance. Maybe a little bit. Be, but you'd be like, all right, Russ, I'm not saying, Russ, let's sign you up, Westbrook. Let's get you on a big one-year deal. <laughs> Vic is coming next year. I ben Simmons, that. come on board. <laughs> I think that I, all the only point I'm trying to make is that whether it's ethical or not, I understand the motivation. I think having a draft is unethical. We should just have a segment of all the things that I think are unethical because there are a lot. I think the draft is terrible. But aside from that, Fox it's, corner. Be a pun. <laughs> aside from that, it's stupid. It's just stupid to entrust that level of value just to any old team. And I, it, I thought of that when I was reading about the Wizards and how they haven't had success in a long time. And there's lots of people who complain about the way that they run the team. It's like, damn, it would have been great for us, but it'd been real scary for the league. Yeah. I mean, I, the, I just genuinely wonder if Vic is too big to fail. Like that's like oh, yeah, the LeBron yeah. part of it where it's like, you, you, say Memphis had won that draft lottery back then when, you know, that pick got flipped to Detroit for Darko. If they had won the lottery, they would have gotten to keep the pick and they were an abomination of a franchise. But if you had put LeBron there in year two, they would have won 50 games. And that's the thing with Vic is like he could be one of these guys like Jokic is now, or if you put him on a team with a, with decent people and the team just wins 50 to 55 games. And that's the, that's the interesting thing. Him. I think the Spurs could do that next year. Right. Succeed next year with him. But you need that's only good for a few years. But you it, need an organization that is capable. So, like, if LeBron never got out of Cleveland, I'm not sure that he would have had the career that he had and he would have created the value for the league that he's created. So you need a stable organization, not only for the health and safety of the player to protect them, but also to help continue to elevate them. Like, we need the storylines. It's only fun oh yeah. for so long. So that's my point is, like, the Spurs is someone we all trust to to properly build around him because they've done it a number of times. He could go somewhere where there's a general manager who stinks and he could end up being like stuck there for 15 seven year years, careers. Seven years, seven years. I mean, he might stay longer because the money's right. Maybe he doesn't want to force the trade the way that other players do. So that's my point is you want to nurture this. This of is course. a valuable gem that, yeah. you, you, that someone else could squander. Look, we don't want him playing with, you know, Booby Gibson and Damon Jones as his two, as his two co-stars careening towards the NBA finals. But that being said, it's also like, the NBA is in a completely different spot now. Yeah. There's such yeah. a, sw- a broad swath of talent and the role players and low end stars have gotten so good. that it's, it's we're, we're at a different point of team building where you look at these shitty teams. Look at the, look at the teams in the, that ended up in the top four. Like the Spurs got the pick and we're instantly like, okay, he's going to play with Kelton Johnson and Devin Vassell and Jeremy Sohan. That's nice for a young team. Like they could be a six seed next year in the West. And if he had gone to the second team it's like wow would have been fun to see Lamelo ball and victor play together scary terry's on that team hayward those are professional basketball players you then you those get a por- professional basketball player. but that's but that is different than what lebron went to that's right. different than what yeah okay like the a non-nurtured first but overall the point pick. is the whole league is like that now that's exactly the point. so then that's not much of an advantage 
But there's it's, no, it's no, there's, there's no situation. The point I'm making is that at some point you need him yeah. to, and you need him to go to that second level. Like we need Jokic to go to the finals eventually or it doesn't have any value to like grow the, the interest in him. So at some point, I think you're right. First three, four years, him balling, just getting to the playoffs maybe, that's enough. But at some point, he's going to have to get to a championship game and then he's going to have to start winning championship yeah. games or we are going to trash him. And, and he's not going to be as oh, popular, yeah. not be as interested. So all I'm saying is that's hard to do. And you need an organization that's capable of doing that. And my only point is having a star like that is value for everyone. And so letting any old team have him come in, that's, uh, I'm just saying that's risky. That's all. Yeah. No, no, I, I understand. And look, it is as sad as this. It is absolutely for the best that he is not in Washington. Um, but. I think that if he's really Kareem or LeBron or Wilt Chamberlain, really the only like NBA prospects you can compare him to at that level, like, I mean, like Kareem won a title, like almost immediately with a really washed up Oscar Robertson. When you're, when you're that great, LeBron took a completely yeah, to the finals. Yeah. Destroyed Cavaliers roster and lost to the Spurs. But like guys who are that level, who are that precious in basketball, it's un like, you win because of them, not because of what you put around them in a lot of ways. And like to get over the hump, you need, you know, proper general manager stuff. But guys who are this good just I get create you. winning. You're wrong, but okay. I mean, they, they create winning. You're right about that. But like the, the point I'm making is the level that they need to get to. So yeah, like Jokic, I, Jokic, when everyone's injured, he gets to the playoffs and people are like, oh yeah, he's good. And then they come in this year saying that he's not good enough to win a third MVP, even though he probably is good enough to win a third MVP. So all I'm saying is something that's very obvious that for whatever reason you refuse to accept is that at some point the organization needs to put good enough talent around him that he can get to and win the finals. I know. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And that, not every organization can do that. No I just how many Good players are out there. No, not every organization is capable. Yeah. That's all. Well, that's, you know, the only way you win in the NBA, though, is, is if you get access to one of those players. It's like, oh, agree. do you get LeBron that's the James, hard part. Steph Curry, yeah. Kawhi Leonard, or is like, is Kevin Durant going to join your team in the middle Agreed. of the greatest cap spike in NBA history? That's Agreed. how you win in the last 20 years. That's, that's the hard Step part. Step one is Victor Wembanyama. Yeah, they've got, so I agree with you. No matter where he ended up, <laughs> yeah. that team would have had the hard part taken yeah. care of. It doesn't mean they get everything else taken care of. I also, the, I think the thing where I, I got lost where you're saying is like, I think the player development stuff is like, yeah, like Oklahoma City now has San Antonio's old shooting coach, Chip England, who like historically fixed people's jump shots, whether it was Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili, Kawhi Leonard. Um, but to me, it's much more murkier about teams developing players. Like Vic is so developed. Like I think yeah, he'll get he to that greatness, le- greatness level. He Even on the Wizards, he would have gotten to that greatness level yeah. where like, First team all NBA locked 50 yeah, wins. I think so. I mean, his game is already really developed. He already, yeah. and, and the, the Drago point that I made is just because he already has a team around him. Yeah. He already has people that are incredibly like the decision that he made, the team that he played for this year was all yeah. about prepping for the NBA, about having a team that was ready to build completely around him. And he's so like, he's just ready. And that's the, that's the LeBron of it all, where it's, it's actually interesting because I think the expectations for Victor Wembanyama. I don't know if they're too high because of how good he's going to be. But for me, like falling short of being one of the best players ever at his position would actually be disappointing, which I think is is crazy high. But he's prepared for that. And I think that those expectations affect the, like, the joy we have watching him. Like, like Steph Curry, we had so much joy because we're like, you're shocked. This shit wasn't supposed yeah, to happen. It's cool. Uh, LeBron, it's like, 
he's his career since 2007 and probably before, but I think that's a fair litmus point, uh, like point oh. of demarcation is, are you Michael Jordan? And I think we might get to that point sooner rather than later with Vic. And I don't know if that's good or bad, if they'll stifle his creativity as a player, if they'll, if they'll change his development, but yeah. I mean, that's where we're headed. It'll, the, the way that you experience LeBron is more like, um, suspense. He's a monolith. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm just mean as as watching the game. Yeah, with all that hanging over him, it feels like suspense. Yeah. and release, which is different than watching Steph, which is like just like fun, like comedy. Yeah. throughout. And so Vic, I think we're gonna end up in that same thing. At first, I think it's gonna be like, oh, this is ridiculous, this is cool, but at some point, it's gonna be like, damn, you have to win these unless he wins them early. Yeah. you have to win these championships, or we're gonna feel terrible. I, I was thinking about. Uh, who else? Are there other big men or other players drafted number one overall that had this level of anticipation? I I would say obviously not because the media wasn't the same in any of those, any any of those eras. But I guess I was thinking like Yao was a similar player in that he had more skill than like he was a good shooter. He was big and he was from somewhere else, which was a little bit different. I guess Patrick Ewing yeah. came in with a lot of hype out of college. Ewing's a big one compared to Bill Russell. People yeah. thought he went to New York and people were like championships. Yeah, and they they were competitive. And I guess, yeah, obviously um, uh, Kareem went, went in, when you won all four years, yeah. right? In college, he won all four championships and was the best player in college for three. Know. He wasn't allowed to play varsity as a freshman, but he uh, played on the JV team. And the JV team beat the varsity team and won the national championship <laughs> because they had Kareem. So we're going to go ahead and call that four. Yeah, you can get the transitive four. Um, I don't know. Is there anybody? I guess we were talking before the show and you have to go outside of basketball, I think. Yeah. And uh, you told me some stuff about uh, Wayne Gretzky that I thought was interesting and shocking about how yeah. y- it's, it's your assessment that he was the best hockey player in the world. When he was 15? 15, I think is a fair. Like, by the time, if you're listening to this and you haven't been on Wayne Gretzky's Wikipedia page, you should because his stats as a child, like when he was 10 years old, he scored like 380 goals in the season against 14-year-olds. And that just continued until he got to the NHL. And as a rookie, he had 182 points. Um, not a hockey guy. Yeah. But this stuff, like his numbers are so out of whack that they put Will Chamberlain's to shame. He was playing um, semi-pro hockey at yeah, 14, 15 yeah. years old. Like Victor plays yeah. pro and he was the best player in his semi-pro hockey. And, and the numbers don't make sense. Like they're so out of whack against guys who are, you know, 20-year-old guys trying to make the NHL. The key's up there. You have someone like Rafael Nadal who yeah. beat Pat Cash, the former world number four, in an exhibition match when he was 14. When he was 15, he was playing pro tennis. When he was 19, he was, you know, the best player in the world. And that's important because he was beating Roger Federer, who was the best player of all time at that point. Like these, these prodigies are are rare at this level, at, at, at this type of thing. And that's where that's where we're at with Vic. How old was Serena when she won our first Grand Slam? I think she was eight, 18, but don't she, quote me on that. 18 or 19? We can Google it. Yeah. I mean, Monica Sellis won, I think, nine Grand Slams before she was, was she was a teenager, but that her career got totally changed by... Yeah, stabbed. That was pretty awful. Yeah, I remember that. It's one of you, like, yeah, was, and that's like something that I mean, she should be on that list. Absolutely, she's yeah. the best teenage tennis player, women's teenage tennis player ever. This is a sad note to end the podcast. <laughs> Scoot Henderson's gonna be really good. Yeah, Brandon Miller is also awesome. You, who do would you think you, goes would, higher? Would you trade Lamelo to build around Scoot? 
Would you put? Would you build them together? Would you yeah. trade the pick? I would build them together. I think uh, I'd at least give it a shot. Uh, having multiple ball handlers, shot creators, and Scoot's kind of small. He's six two. I think like the the comps you, that you I you call him small. Yeah, I'm, he's he's yeah he's swole. Uh, he's like a little LeBron, but he's six two, which is and he's built like Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yeah, I think the comps that I saw for him, like uh, oh, we came up with one where like Jason Williams, yeah, our our colleague who whose career was cut short, was similar. Yeah type of player but I, i've seen like uh derrick rose and uh, with westbrook level athleticism right that type of stuff so he's he's a guy that we'd be flipping out over in any other draft if it wasn't for the fact that victor's around so i don't think you pass on him right no matter i think it's it's stupid in any sport honestly to pass on potential greatness because you got somebody at that position right or you figure out a way to let them work together or you have to send somebody packing, but you don't like say, oh, we're going to go. Unless you sincerely believe that Brandon Miller is a better player. He's 6'9". Um, he's not bad on defense, but he's an offensive, yeah. more offensive-minded player who is likely – he may not have Hall of, Hall of Fame potential, but he's got all-star comp, comp potential. Comp to Paul Georgia. Right? Yeah, right. That type of stuff. Which is a, a great player. Yeah. I mean, I guess that does give you Hall of Fame potential if you are Paul George. The Scoot thing, if he, was, if he had played college basketball – if he had been a March Madness, like where guards dominate, he would be such a big deal. Like it's the same way that John Wall and Derrick Rose were. Those explosive guards, even Morant taking Murray State to the second round, like those guys are the most fun players in the tournament. And he's someone we, we're going to see more and more guys go to the G League route, but he's someone who I think perception wise would have benefited immensely from playing American college yeah. basketball. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. I'm excited for the draft. I'm looking forward to all this. Can't wait for Washington to get somebody in the town that is not going to make an impact at all. Well, anyway, well, thank you, Charlie. I appreciate you. You unbuttoned another button today. You're giving them some more chess hair. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, yeah. I don't judge. Come on over to YouTube. Get a look at Charlie's chess hair. It's not taco beat. It's more like spaghetti. Yeah. You don't got no curls. Keep no. all the curls up top. All right. Appreciate you, Charlie, for coming. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Christina, for doing your work. Adi Khan. And of course, the good people at Podville who let us use this beautiful studio. Bye. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.